A New Jersey. Jay and Silent Bob are coming home. See Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes as they present the 10th anniversary episode of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old at the Bellworks Drive-In in Homedale, New Jersey, September 18th. Tickets and info at csmod.com. children and dare you step inside the vegan abattoir i am harley quinn smith and i am austin zazier that's right no kevin today if you have listened to the show uh you can probably tell that this is not how it usually starts my dad is usually here but not today instead of my dad we have a guest co-host my lovely boyfriend who i talk about most episodes. He was also a guest on one of our episodes, and he will be helping me today. You give me but- butterflies. What What is happening? <laughs> what was the most insane intro I've ever heard? Uh, thank you uh, for all the accolades. You're so welcome. I appreciate it. That's what I'm here to do as your girlfriend. Um, yes. Yeah, so since Kevin isn't here, well, he, it's our fault, I guess. It is our fault. We just celebrated our one year anniversary. Hashtag love. And <laughs> and to celebrate, we went away for a weekend. And just to be extra careful, we are self-quarantining in in our house. In the same house. Yeah. <laughs> we live in, we live, Austin and I live with my parents and my grandparents. Uh, but my grandparents are in Nevada right now. And so it's just us and my parents. It's been a fun six months, everybody. To say the least. That wasn't sarcastic. That was that was truthful. It has been a fun six months. It was sarcasm. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Um, but we just want to be extra careful to protect my parents. So we're self-quarantining ourselves in the same home, but we're not getting near them. We're wearing masks when we leave our room. And so I could not be in the same room with my dad to record for this week's vegan abattoir. So I just figured perhaps he could take a week off and Austin could be my co-host. That's what's up. A lot of people messaged me and said that they liked your episode of Vegan Abattoir. Did they really? I think a lot of people related to it. Because because I'm not vegan? Yeah. <laughs> that was the first non-vegan person you've had on the show, maybe. Correct. So I'll take it. Yeah. Screw it. It's cool. Take a compliment, please. All right. Fine. Um, so I would <sighs> love to hear your opinion. I would love to hear your opinion. Are you talking to me or the person, the people listening? I'm speaking to you, Austin, because now in the intros, we usually answer questions about veganism. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. But instead of that this week, there's a very important piece of news that we have to discuss. What? And I was going to discuss it with my dad, but now I get a non-vegan opinion. So Um, I'm, I'm... What 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 is it? I'm, you, I'm nervous. You must be on your toes. <laughs> I actually am. I'm like, what is this news? This is the biggest breaking news of veganism in the past week. Okay, week. Okay, keyword. Miley Cyrus. Oh no! Why? Who was a vegan for uh, a long time? Well, I think she had, like she had six a cheeseburger years. or something. No, she's not vegan anymore. Miley went on Joe Rogan's podcast and said that she started putting fish into her diet. 
because she didn't think her brain was properly functioning. What? So for me, why is this problematic? I think that it's a, a big disappointment because it's always so sad when there's a public figure who is outspoken about being vegan or vegetarian and they are a, a guiding light for a lot of their fans. They positively influence their fans to adopt a more plant-based lifestyle. And honestly, was she one of the biggest vegans? She was one of the biggest vegans in the community. I mean, she she has millions of followers. I mean, everybody yeah. knows who she is. So I think it's incredibly disappointing for somebody who has such a huge platform to be setting a bad example by going back on a vegan lifestyle because that puts us in a bad light. It puts veganism in a bad light that somebody would then leave a plant-based lifestyle behind, yeah. it, especially to say something like for proper brain function because... Especially on Rogan, of all, of all, of all podcasts, she could have said, I'm turning pescatarian on Rogan. I mean, it's that pretty... That dude only eats meat. It's pretty disappointing. And the reason why she went vegan in the first place, if I'm correct, from the interviews that I listened to, she said it was because she had a highly intelligent fish, like a pet fish, uh, that would come up in the tank to the glass every maybe, time she stepped in the died. house. But it's really disappointing to see somebody like that who does have such a huge platform go back. Then what type of message are you sending that veganism isn't healthy, which is so not true. That That's just a complete lie. There's so many studies that have proven that veganism reverses so many medical issues. Oh, no, it does for sure. And maybe it's not right for every single person. However, it is widely known as a cure for a lot of different ailments. Like if you have a heart disease yeah. or if you have cholesterol, which is heart disease. But... Yes, exactly. There's so many different medical issues that veganism treats. And yeah, but I mean... how, how big was Miley in the community? How how often was she posting? Because I follow Miley on Instagram mm -hmm. and I have never seen her be like, this is the best vegan dish that I've had ever. Maybe not often, but she still was public about being vegan. And that in itself is is a pretty big step. Yeah. If you're putting that information out there and you're, and you're proud of it, obviously, I wish more people with platforms were speaking about it more frequently and uh, in a more forward fashion. But Honestly, it seems like a political view at this point. Veganism? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, being somebody... Not me, but anyone who has a big social platform, if you're posting a bunch of vegan stuff, everyone's going to be saying, I, I eat meat, I'm going to eat two times the meat. And you you, you and your dad talk about that all, all the time. It's true. Maybe she wasn't going to post about it because it would have turned a lot of people away. Well, I, I think there are people who know for sure that they'll be vegan for the rest of their life, like myself and a lot of people who go vegan for the animals. Yeah. Um, and then some people who go vegan for their health will revert back to their old ways there was this other person not to name call but i'm just absolutely gonna say her name <laughs> because i thought this was so uncool uh there was this person 
woman named uh, her Instagram was Ravana. She was a huge person in the vegan community for such a long time. She made tons of videos of her making recipes, uh, cooking raw raw vegan foods. She, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I think she had like a million followers. She she was super well known in the vegan community, especially for people who were looking for help on making vegan food for themselves. She's a vegan chef, kind of activist kind of influence yeah yeah yeah. the the whole ordeal yeah the whole ordeal and then i remember and i don't know what's up with her now because i unfollowed her right after this but you unfollowed her because she's she's not vegan anymore because it came out in a shitty way man okay okay came out go with the story go with the story i'm done interrupting I mean, I don't mean to talk shit about anybody. Yeah, you on do. Vegan Let's talk shit. Let's talk <laughs> shit on vegan abattoir, man. Let's do it. Let's get into the mm, the the meat. That's the the that's the that's the new word for shit on vegan abattoir is the meat because smart. It's it's not what you guys are about. Very smart. <laughs> um. So to get into the meat of it, a video came out of her eating fish where she was seen in the background eating fish but she had not told her following that she wasn't uh, vegan anymore and so this video came out and people she noticed it fish for a while mm-hmm. who, who knows what else and i remember it so well because the person that posted it did not realize that uh, you could see her eating fish or i don't know something but that video was not intended to be out of yeah, her yeah. featuring her eating fish and then she had to come out and say, yeah, I haven't. I That's haven't why she vegan. came out. Yeah. Wow. So I'm almost like, were you even going to say anything? Because you no, are, probably not. You because... obviously built this empire yeah. off of being vegan and then you just abandoned it. And so I don't really know where she is now. I don't really know if she is still eating fish or what her deal is. But I just thought that was like the worst way to possibly handle doing something like that. But that's just to say, I think that it's obviously really difficult and sad when vegans who have a big following suddenly stop with the movement or with the lifestyle or with the diet and leave it behind. It's it's really disappointing to, to all of us who are looking up to those people, looking to those people for advice. It, it's sad. And so I think it's important to talk about and be like, well, why did this person make this decision? Should I should I make this decision? And the answer is no, you should not make this decision. Honestly, I know we may go off on a different point, <laughs> but the biggest thing, my dad even will text me because my dad thinks that I only eat vegetarian. And I'm like, I eat fish, dad. I, I have some sort of protein. He's always just like, what are you eating? Are you getting enough protein? Is like, are you functioning well? And I think that's ingrained in a lot of people as a stereotype. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's false or what the deal is. Maybe you could speak on that more. But I feel like that has to be the source of why somebody like Miley Cyrus was thinking, oh, well, I'm not thinking well. Maybe I should. I need more protein in her diet. I guarantee like five people said to her, Are you, you're probably not getting enough, enough protein. You right. probably need it. And then she's not going to eat chicken or steak, so she's going to eat fish. But is that really better? Mm. Not necessarily, but it makes a human feel better, I think, because we don't really interact with fish. It's not really something it's true. that There's... we see or they don't seem like they have 
diff- uh, the same feelings that other land animals do. There's at a least huge for me. misunderstanding about that, and I'm, I mean, it's not to to blame anyone or say that you're wrong. It's just I, th- you're completely right. There is this huge disassociation, I guess. Between yeah, that's the word. Yeah. If fish can feel, the answer is yeah. Obviously. Oh no, uh, dude, orcas—they literally have different um, accents Aww. all over the world. That's so cute. The, they have different accents, just like we do. And there's studies that say that orcas are actually smarter than humans, or the smartest fish in the sea. But Aww. there's no way for us to even calculate how they think and how they talk or anything like that. Right. So it, it absolutely disassociation with. The fact that that's not anything we know, it's not anything we can relate to, and it's very hard to be empathetic to that when you're trying to make yourself not eat any land animals. For people that are trying to make the transition, at least for me, I'm like, oh, shit, I I won't eat the, the meat or the cows or the, the pigs, but I'm going to dabble with some fishy fishes. I'm so proud of the way you're speaking right now. You you've sa- You're being so compassionate. I mean, you are so compassionate, but... Yeah, I mean... And the thing is, I know that I shouldn't eat fish, but I just... It's too hard to not right now. It's important that you said right now, because... Yeah, I mean, I get it. it won't always be the case. Yeah, no, for sure. But I'm just saying. Obviously, everybody's at a different point in their life. I'm always very vocal about doing what you can to contribute to the movement and contribute to a less cruel world for animals maybe and it's and be grateful for the fact that miley was vegan for six years yes. because she could have not been and that was such a person with uh so many so much influence i am grateful i have no idea what's happening with her life so i can't really judge her it is harmful to see a public vegan like that go back and switch to a carnivorous or pescatarian lifestyle i think it's harmful to the movement and that's why i care but at the same time obviously don't know her situation obviously don't know ravana's situation however i think it's harmful when somebody in the public goes back on what they've previously said about veganism like the examples that we discussed i think it's very harmful because it makes people question Maybe they shouldn't be vegan anymore. Why are they doing that? Maybe it gives non-vegans more of a reason to never be open to veganism. I guarantee I think it's, it's, it's really harmful. It's the protein fact, man. That's such a stereotypical thing. And scientists who are listening, if you're, not, I know you're not, but if you were, <laughs> prove it wrong, man. Prove it wrong. I mean, there's that documentary. What was it? Game Changers. Mm-hmm. That legitimately proves it wrong. There's so much information out there that proves vegans can get an equal amount of protein or more than meat eaters. There are so many different sources of vegan protein, which I will t- continue to talk about in more episodes, but also our guests today talk about it as well. Um, so to get into that, guess. <laughs> the guests, yes, I'm so excited. Our guests today are a pair of chefs and businesswomen. They are Tony Okamoto, who runs the Instagram account Plant Based on a Budget with tons of helpful tips and tricks of how to be vegan in a cost-efficient way. Uh, She also wrote a book called Plant Based on a Budget. And then there is Michelle Kane, who is the founder of World of Vegan. And they are co-authors of the new cookbook, The Friendly Vegan Cookbook. So... 
They are so great. I'm excited to listen to these women talk. Let's get after it. They really do such a good job of explaining how it is possible, uh, how you don't have to spend more if you want to convert to a vegan diet or a vegan lifestyle. It's very possible to do it with the same amount of money or even less. Okay. So without further ado, here they are. Thanks so much for being here, you two. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to chat with you. So I ask every single guest, first and foremost, please tell me each of your journeys with veganism, how you got here, and, and introduce yourself so everyone knows who they are listening to. I have been veg-leaning since I was 16. It all happened for me because I was a runner in high school, and I was eating Taco Bell all the time and I was feeling really sick and I'd never connected that the food I put into my body was what fueled me. And so my concerned coach, after seeing me be sick all the time, suggested that I cut out red meat and cut out eating as much Taco Bell. And I listened yeah. to him and I, I continued on that journey. And it's funny because that's usually where I would end my story, but I just listened to the episode with you and Toby Morse. Aww. And I, I feel like I want to insert some of my punk rock background too. Yes. I was very much into punk rock music. And so I, like Toby, have never drank alcohol. I've never done drugs. I learned a lot of the deeper parts of my social activism through punk rock. And so while it was my coach and while it was my veg club in college that introduced me to more of the community and provided me with a support system, it was the music and the community of punk rock that really got me fired up. Hell yeah. That's so dope. What what are what's some of your favorite punk bands? Let let me in. <laughs> well, it was funny because when he was talking about how he sang on Cats and Dogs, yeah. uh, the Gorilla Biscuit song, I was like, oh, that was so that's so cool to I, did, I had no idea that he sang in the sing along part that it's like, thou shalt not kill. Oh. And uh it's actually Funny story, the, the place I met my husband was at a Gorilla Biscuit show in maybe Pomona in 2012. That was the first time I ever met him. We didn't start dating then, but that's where I met him. And it, it was cool to connect with someone who lives a pretty normie lifestyle like I do, but has punk rock roots mm. and is uh, is vegan and also doesn't drink. Wow. So a, a match made in heaven, it sounds like. <laughs> That's perfect. What What about you, Michelle? Yeah, my my journey to eating vegan started way, way back. I went vegetarian when I was eight years old, which wow. was the first time I really connected that the animals on my plate were actually animals. I think I was a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> and so the moment I made that connection, I was like, I don't want to eat animals. I love animals and I don't want to cause harm to others. So I became vegetarian when I was eight. And then sort of over the years learned about factory farming and just the, all of the animal agriculture industries. And at that point, it became really central to what I cared about in the world, uh, the issues that became important to me. And so I became sort of an animal advocate at that point. But it wasn't until college that I learned about the dairy industry, the egg industries, like so many others. Those are just not as obvious connections to be made. And when I did learn about it, I was heartbroken. I was shocked. And just like I went vegetarian basically overnight, I decided I was going to go vegan. And yeah, that ever since that was like now more than 13 years ago. And at the time I had actually started animal rights clubs in my school. So oh. 
at high school, I had the Bentley Animal Rights Club. And <laughs> in college, I started the Casey Animal Rights and Ethics Society. I don't, neither of those still exist today, but but looking back, I was advocating for animals and still eating animal products big time. Yeah. <laughs> so a, yeah. Yeah. And wow. that, that's been a big, big reason why today, so many years later, being a friendly vegan, being kind to others and understanding that there's a long journey that a lot of people go through before they really connect all of the dots to take the steps to radically change the way that they're eating is so important because for so few of us did this happen all overnight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I always am a, a big advocate of being compassionate towards anybody on their journey because it really is such a big undertaking to mentally deal with the fact that you have to first like accept that you've been contributing to all this cruelty. And so yeah. that in itself is like such a huge thing to go through dealing with the mental side of it, of, of coming to terms with it and owning up to it because it requires you putting your pride aside to be like, oh, I have, I've made a mistake and I have to acknowledge that and now do better and move forward. Like that's a completely different component to the entire experience in addition to then, you know, changing your diet and your wardrobe and your cosmetics. It's a, it's a long journey and it, I definitely don't expect anybody to do it overnight. Another component that is worth mentioning is the potential for loneliness Sometimes mm. the people who are surrounding you don't support you and you don't know other vegetarians or vegans. And so it's good to be a kind model and be open to anyone, regardless of where they are on their journeys, to feel comfortable approaching you. And I, I also listened to the episode of you talking <laughs> uh, to your boyfriend, and I really appreciated how you guys both came from different points of the spectrum and respected each other and over a long period of time have accommodated each other with respect and kindness. Yeah, I think that's and a huge stake in your face. <laughs> yeah. And stake oh in my, my face. Actually, I've had that exact same thing happen to me. My friend in college, soon after I went vegan, I think we were at Chipotle or something, and he pulled me out of his burrito and flung it into my face and I was just like oh my, oh my god, god. But I, I've been dealing with stuff like that forever but I've yet to hear someone who's had that identical story Wait. and I was listening to you tell that and I was just like ah but Michelle, friends you have to tell the good part of the story that's only oh, the yeah. bad part of the story there's a good part of there's the story. a good part <laughs> oh yeah so this was like my most antagonistic friend in college a few years later he decided to try being vegan and ended up being um one of the executives of our Animal Rights and Ethics Society oh. and is still today vegan, married a vegan, has a little vegan baby, and oh, has a wow. whole family and so, yes, <laughs> it turns around. And it's also so fascinating to see that a lot of times the people who are the most, um, I mean, I'll just say obnoxious in your face because sometimes it can be bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, no, for but sure. But not as respectful to your way of eating. Um they're kind deep down there. And so how you respond to those situations can mean a lot in terms of how willing they may be one day to be like, you know what, I'm actually going to give this a try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. And I, I think that is so important that we lead with compassion as well, because we advocate for compassion towards animals. And sometimes people forget that we have to have compassion towards other humans as well. And I, I try not to blame people for not knowing about animal cruelty because it is so implemented in society. So how could 
so many people be aware of what we're aware of. It's something that has been so like pushed down for years and years and years that all of this cruelty is happening to animals every day. So how could we expect somebody to know this? I think a lot of people are coming at it not from a malicious place at all, just from a place of ignorance, which is not to sound rude at all, but just nobody really knows the reality behind animal agriculture. It's a very small percentage of people who actually know what's happening. Yeah, that is so true. And also thank God for the internet. Yeah. Thank goodness for the internet, because otherwise... We Like, I wouldn't know. You probably wouldn't know. So many of us who are eating plant-based or vegan or even just Meatless Mondays or any of the things, um, yeah, it's thanks to the internet and social media that now that is starting to change. Like, one day in the not-too-distant future, we're not going to really have that to lean back on. Oh, well, I didn't know it was happening. Exactly. <laughs> we are, are, all are going to know. And it's kind of a critical point in history where, like with so many other social justice movements, now that we're learning these things and becoming aware, what are we going to do with that information? And are you going to take it and change your behavior that impacts your everyday life in order to align with your your existing values of compassion and ethics? Or are you going to close your eyes to it and ignore it? And one day we'll look back and that will be a reflection on on human beings. So hopefully I feel really optimistic. So many people make positive changes as they learn and it's so great to have resources and um, people leading by positive example to help make that easy for people too. And not only the education aspect, but the support system aspect. I mentioned I had to have a support system within my veg club on my college campus. And I had to have an in-person, I had to go to a punk rock show to learn these things. But (laughs) now you can join a virtual support group. If you have plant-based questions, you can ask someone on Instagram. You can just Google them. Uh, You can make so many friends virtually in a way that you couldn't before. Absolutely. And I think obviously the internet can be a a scary, bad place sometimes. (laughs) But I think on the other hand, it is a really beautiful opportunity for you to find a community. And I've spoken about it in a few podcasts. I I spoke about it with um, my friend Jessica, who runs Vegan Street Fair, about how she is on such a mission to create a sense of community because oftentimes veganism can be isolating, like you said. A lot of people don't understand or have a um, a defensive reaction when telling them about it. So it's really important that if you, you can't find people who are supporting your choices for a more plant-based lifestyle in person, then you can you know, seek online communities. It's it's such an important part of veganism to find community and support from like-minded people. Um, so yeah, really thank God for the internet in, in that regard. Yeah, it really does make all the difference when you're making a radical change in your life or just changing from what you're used to. If you have friends to lean on, like even when people are mean to you or if someone throws me in your face and you're all alone <laughs> and your family's like, why are you doing this? And you're having to cook something different for yourself. And you just have no no one to lean on anywhere, no one to vent to or to be like, no, yeah, that happened to me too. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. In the, I mean, it will get easy because you anyone who makes a choice that's different from the mainstream has to learn eventually how to sort of grow a backbone and... um stand up for yourself and realize like it's okay to be different and it's okay for people to throw some hate your way and just let it 
bounce off you because it's kind of the only way to make it through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell me about how you both started working together, about how you you found each other and and became this really badass duo of vegans. <laughs> well, I met I was working at a farmed animal sanctuary and Michelle at the time, I believe, was working for maybe PETA or maybe a, a vegan online. Company. I was working for an online website about okay. that, that spread vegan information. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so she was doing that. We were doing similar work, but for different organizations. And uh, I just really liked her. I thought she was so nice. If you ever watch a YouTube video or see her at an event, she just radiates warmth and kindness Aww. and Aww. <laughs> she's treating people with respect and and she's just so friendly and so anyway I knew I wanted to be friends with her and I probably was just an acquaintance with her until 2015 is that when you started doing world of vegan Michelle yeah okay in 2015 I knew I wanted to be like real friends with her and I reached out and I was like hey Michelle uh, I was just wondering if you ever wanted to grab some dinner or get some coffee and uh, and and then I waited and I got this response <clears throat> hey Tony uh that sounds really nice unfortunately I'm really busy vegan, <laughs> but uh thanks anyway and then I was like crushed. Hopefully I was nicer than that though. I probably spent like an hour like sweating over how to respond. <laughs> like in this mode of, of creating my try doing what I loved for my work and hustling so hard to try and make it work. Photography on the side, videography on the side to be able to like pay the bills in my tiny one bedroom apartment while I was working full time also. Um creating vegan content online to help people. And so I was giving up every luxury in my life. And part of that was friends. Unfortunately, but, I was like, <laughs> well, but, it worked out. <laughs> she would yeah. learn a lesson early on in our friendship that I am extremely persistent. And I <laughs> threw out other suggestions for ways that we could hang out. And one of them was creating vegan content together. I knew that she was uh, really focused on helping animals and getting people more information about veganism and I was as well so we started collaborating on YouTube videos and that was really the beginning of our friendship and partnership that's so sweet that's such an adorable story <laughs> I love that yeah and Tony your persistence has paid off because almost all of the projects that we've ended up working on and so you know how it is life is always feels so busy and overwhelming at the moment and we have our head in so many projects that it feels like you can't take on one more but oh yeah our podcast was I was like I don't think I have time for that and Tony was like we're creating a podcast together right. so finally we created the plant-powered people podcast and same thing with our cookbook coming out I was like, oh, I don't know if I've time for a whole cookbook. How are we going to fit this in? Oh my gosh. And Tony was like, we're doing it. She just has um, this ability to inspire her friends to join on the adventure. And every single time I would, it was like, oh my gosh, I can't. Can you imagine having not done this? This was such a beautiful adventure and so much fun and has ended up helping so many people. So, yes, yay for friends. <laughs> hey, persistence is key. I'm all about persistence. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, so, you mentioned your cookbook that's coming out. Tell me about that. It is called The Friendly Vegan Cookbook. Um, and it's coming out in October of this year. It is a book that's been in Tony and my hearts for 
years. We've been talking about writing a cookbook or a book together for a long, long time. We try to figure out what was really needed in the space. And what we wanted to create was a resource for people that was um, kind of normal people food, comfortable recipes that you're used to veganized to perfection using ingredients that are familiar to people that you don't have to go to seven different grocery stores for that are (laughs) just accessible and maximally delicious, appropriate for people of all different cooking types and everything um, that would also be warm and friendly and inviting and giftable and all those things packed into one book. So that's when we embarked on the adventure of writing the Friendly Vegan Cookbook. I can't even believe it's done. That's so nuts. Another element that we brought to it was, uh, so in my family, we're, we're Mexican-American, and food is such a big expression of love and affection, and sharing food with your family is the greatest, most meaningful time. And we know that for many people, that is the same. So we wanted to make food that you can share with anyone at your table, regardless of whether or not they were vegan, and have them extremely enjoy it. So we had all of the recipes tested a lot, a lot, a lot of times. <laughs> we had a hundred recipe testers. Yes. Wow. And some of them we were testing 20 times ourselves. Wow. And so it, it was just really important to bring that element of food sharing. And we both feel strongly that one of the most impactful ways to get people to consider vegetarianism or veganism is by offering them really tasty food. I think that's a brilliant plan. Um, I, I, I find the same thing and I, I'm so, I'm so happy to be talking to to chefs because I can't cook for shit. <laughs> and, um, I've, I've had so many messages from people being like, you have to have, you have to have vegan chefs on, on your podcast. So like they, they can give us the scoop and stuff. <laughs> so I'm so stoked to be talking to you both about this because that's a, that's such a huge part of it. Um, I find is, people become so much more accepting of veganism once they really just taste some really delicious food. So so what are you cooking right now? I'm curious. Oh god. Um I mean <laughs> it's it's not impressive at all. Uh every day I I I'm the biggest creature of habit of all time. So literally every day for the past I don't even know how many months, possibly like three to four months. Um, every single morning I have avocado toast and I, I get this bread from this bakery called Super Bloom. It's gluten free and vegan. And so I get this sourdough bread from them. It's, it's my favorite thing. I'm addicted. And then, um, obviously avocado and then i make my own pickled onions but like that's fancy (laughs) (laughs) i mean the pickled onions do only take five minutes to make but it is pretty cool to be like yeah these are my pickled onions i made them (laughs) but that's about uh the furthest extent i i've been learning to um make buffalo cauliflower um that's one of my favorites so i i decided to to force myself to learn how to make it because I was craving it so often. Um, Do you have an air fryer or have you ever used an air fryer? No. Tell me about it. I don't, I literally don't know anything about cooking. Oh my gosh. We need to hang out more. Please, Um, please. (laughs) Air air fryers are relatively new to the scene in general. And 
I've had one for a couple years. And that the concept is basically that you can, instead of deep frying something in a pot of oil, you fry in an air fryer with air. You can like put a little bit of oil on if you want. But if you're making, even just taking like packaged um veggie chicken nuggets or whatever instead of putting them in the oven you can stick them in the air fryer and they get crispy and like extra delicious that oh, way wow. so it really crisps things up beautifully but I was just wondering if you tried one because I, I love making buffalo cauliflower wings but I have not yet tried them in the air fryer and now this is like piquing my interest to go try that <laughs> wow what a what a hot tip for anyone that has the space in their kitchen for yet another appliance I wouldn't put it <laughs> on like the absolute must but it's also the type of thing where the first time I got it the same thing happened with a pressure cooker i don't know if you've ever cooked with an instant pot or a pressure cooker no but those are definite must-haves but when i first bought them they sat in the corner of my kitchen in the box for like almost a year because i was intimidated i never used it i also am a creature of habit and Mm -hmm. you know you have there's a learning curve to all of these different uh, appliances in the kitchen um and then once i sort of sort of started playing around with it even just you know four five six recipes now my my air fryer is constantly out on our counter. We don't even put it away, even though it's this big, obnoxious looking thing <laughs> on our counter. It's just always there because it's so convenient and delicious. So yeah, for anyone who's newer to cooking, newer in the kitchen, um, yeah, have fun with it, play with it and keep trying some things because it really does make life so much easier wow. prepping food when you have cool tools around you. For sure. See, that's how I feel about my pressure cooker. I use that thing I don't want to tell you how many I have. Okay, I'll tell you. Four. I have four pressure cookers. Oh, shit. But you don't need unless you're maybe writing a cookbook or a super. I think you have a a reason to have it. (laughs) I I bought one back when they were really, really expensive. And I on Amazon, they have these deals. If they're used, you can get a discount. And I got one with a big giant debt in it for $30 off. Oh, wow. So that is a budget tip. If you mm-hmm. want to save some money, uh, but then an Amazon prime sale came up. So I had to buy another one cause I was using it so often and I would want to cook two things at once. Anyway, I, I got one for last year. I got one for Christmas and my husband got a, an air cooker slash pressure cooker, like a ninja one for Hanukkah. And now we have four. That's and, how wow. And we're like big advocates of reducing cost and time in the kitchen, which is where these come up. So with, uh, pressure cooker, like an instant pot, you basically, instead of having to cook rice on the stove, which could take, if you're cooking, whatever, a a long time, um, you could cook white (laughs) rice for like three minutes in an instant pot or four minutes, something crazy fast and soups and stews. And so it just really cuts down on time in the kitchen. I usually find that it can, it can shorten by half. So on the stove top, you could do rice, brown rice for 40 minutes and you can do it for 20 in the pressure cooker. So you save a lot of time and you can go walk the dog or not have to pay attention to the stove uh, because it turns off automatically, which I really appreciate. So if you're doing something like a curry or throw everything from the refrigerator type soup, uh, <laughs> then you can just set it and forget about it. Wow. I, I, I'm already learning so much. <laughs> so you were talking about being cost efficient in the kitchen and time efficient, but I want to focus on, on cost efficient. So, um, Tony, your page is obviously called plant based on a budget. Tell me your thoughts on how a vegan can be cost efficient. I think by sticking to the basics, you can be creative and save a ton of money. So beans and rice and 
nuts and seeds even, which sometimes people think are expensive, but when you're buying in bulk can be a lot cheaper, uh, are, are going to be a lot more of a, of a budget friendly option than buying meat. Meat is expensive. I go to the meat section regularly to keep track on the price per ounce or price per pound of meat versus plant-based options like beans. And I'm always surprised that I still hear this uh, misconception about how plant-based eating is so expensive. In my opinion and in my experience, uh, you can save dramatically by meal planning uh, a plant-based diet. And Michelle and I have shown that in our plant-based on a budget meal plans. We show people how to eat for $25 for seven days of food. So that's like $1.20 per meal. Wow. Yep. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, regarding the time, we are very conscious of how much time people are spending in the kitchen because we have busy lives ourselves. So we're doing mostly batch meals. And so if you're investing time into one big batch, you're spreading that out over the week. Wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think, you know, there is this huge misconception about veganism being more expensive. I think that's so incredibly smart that you go and check the meat prices regularly. That's like such a hack in a good way (laughs) to keep track on everything. That's so smart because... I mean, the num- if the numbers are, are right in front of us and the numbers can't lie. There there are so many affordable vegan options and meat can be very, very expensive. So when you are checking these prices regularly and showing everybody like, hey, I, I mean, contrary to what you may think, these are the actual prices behind these meals. You're, you're proving that it is possible to be vegan on a budget, which is so important because that's a huge factor to so many people's decision to adopt a more plant-based lifestyle. I think that first creating a meal plan is is going to be the key to saving money using what you already have on hand and then supplementing from the grocery store. That cuts down your food waste, that makes you shop with intention once you're at the grocery store. And I know that for me, if I go on a hungry stomach, for example, or if I have no idea what I'm going into the grocery store, I just know that we need food. I'll grab all kinds of stuff, get home and realize I can't make a meal because I bought peanut butter and pasta sauce, but I didn't buy jelly and noodles. And and so just shopping with intention and then going back to price per ounce, really paying attention to what you're buying also helps save a lot of money. I know that it's really easy to see the, the marketing tactics at the grocery store. So at the end caps, they'll say, these are on sale. So you grab we'll say the pasta sauce because it says it's on sale. But if you were to go into the aisle and look at the different pasta sauces, there's a good chance that you'll find a cheaper one. And it's going to likely be the store brand. And the store brand probably won't be at eyesight. It'll be a little bit lower. And placement is such a funny a funny business uh, within the grocery store. You have to really pay attention. And that's the whole time you're in there. Even at the check stand, sometimes, especially when buying in bulk, you can be overcharged by the clerk quickly typing in the wrong number. So uh, just paying attention and shopping with intention saves a ton of money. You are providing a a million 
tips and tricks. Okay, so I this is a, this is a two part question. Um, what is your personal favorite meal to cook? And then what is your favorite meal to cook for a non-vegan? Well, my favorite meal to cook lately, I kind of can fit them both. But actually, okay, yeah, yeah. My my favorite meal to cook for a non-vegan right now is fettuccine Alfredo. Ooh. Um, it's a newer discovery in my life. I actually created this recipe while we were working on the Friendly Vegan Cookbook. And it blew my own mind. Like, I know I can create good recipes that are delicious, but I used to love fettuccine Alfredo as a kid way before I was vegan. And I just thought this was something I would be giving up when I would go plant-based. And I've tried several scents that are good, but they still like taste like cashews or, you know, it's not the same. And um, creating this recipe, I was just like, I was like, this is it. This is the Mattachini Alfredo sets that I ate when I was a kid. And it's actually really healthy. It's not made with a bunch of vegan butter or anything like that. So um, oh, wow. that's one of my favorites to that make for other people so too because it blows their mind. Yeah. And then Tony and I are both huge soup lovers. So what I make on the regular are soups. And Tony and, and myself, our friendship kind of evolved over ramen noodle soup that we usually eat out. And it's actually pretty expensive to eat out. But um, she developed a recipe that is so delicious for vegan ramen mm. that you can now make at home. And so that's one of my favorites now. Wow, that yeah, sounds I, so good. <laughs> I'm hungry. I grew up eating like instant ramen. Uh, it was actually one of the first things I learned how to cook when I was five years old. And I know five-year-olds now. And I think I would never let you cook on an open fire. <laughs> I, my grandma, she didn't want me to bother her all the time asking her to make me ramen noodles. So she showed me how to boil my pot of water and cook it. And, uh, and so it was what I ate for so long. And then I left my house and had no money. So I continued eating ramen noodles. And so I still have a special place in my heart for ramen noodles. And although I have upgraded to fresh ramen most of the time, because it's not that expensive, I think at the Chinese market where they have all different types of Asian foods near my house, they have a big packet of fresh ramen for like three fifty. So you can use the really rich broth that Michelle and I created uh, to make a fancier version. But if you wanted to use your very familiar instant ramen, you can you can use that and you can also dress it up in so many ways. Also in my plant-based on a budget book, I showed different ways how to use it. Like in a stir fry, if you don't have a lot of money to buy nicer noodles, you can just use the noodles from that, boil them up and fry them in a stir fry or make a chow mein or lo mein and um, or even a fancy instant ramen soup with a lot of veggies and tofu and some seaweed. Wow. <laughs> you're just making me so hungry <laughs> i wish we could have done this in person and we could have fed you great food <laughs> oh my gosh please uh i i volunteer if you ever need more tasting people to, to, to oh, that. We'll, we'll have you <laughs> oh my Darn gosh pandemic <laughs> i'll be there in literally two seconds if you need somebody to taste new recipes i'm here i love that you said that you blew your own mind <laughs> with the with the alfredo that like that I what, if you blew your own mind with it, I think I I might like be in a coma after I I, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds so incredible. Um, so you both are proving it's so possible to make absolutely delicious foods on a budget. Actually, the the tagline for our show is butchering bullshit and slaughtering misinformation. So you are very much slaughtering a a ton of misinformation right now. Yeah. It's when I saw your podcast first come to life, 
I can't even tell you how excited I was. First of all, just because the name and tagline is so brilliant and <laughs> has like a lot of times it's like, okay, snooze fast. The hippies are talking about vegan food again. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they're whatever, you know, goji berries. But to have um, a resource that like gets real and funny and entertaining and is using the words that we've all been so traumatized to sort of like re- regain ownership of them and use them for the good of animals, I think is so special. Oh, thank you so much. I, I mean, I think... It's a good idea to approach veganism with some humor sometimes because (laughs) sometimes it's lacking a little bit of positivity or uplifting. (laughs) Um, So I think it's good to keep it to to keep it balanced with some humor once in a while. So it's not all super depressing because it often is a lot of the time. Um, I know to feel like you're at a funeral for the rest of your life is not how (laughs) any of us need to be living. (laughs) That's so hilarious. That's so accurate, though. I mean, that's so I and I've said that I've said that, but I've never put it in those terms, which I think is so hilarious to, to say a funeral the rest of your life because it, <laughs> it kind of so sadly is. Like um, in the episode where I spoke to my boyfriend and was trying to explain that it's difficult for me, I have to compromise because I don't want to see him consume meat because every time I see somebody eat meat, I do just think about the reality behind that. And it it's really difficult to process that and to be okay, especially with your significant other, having to see them consume what you're so fundamentally and morally against. It's it's difficult. You have to you have to make some compromises sometimes. So I'm gonna anyways, I'm gonna take that tagline that you said. <laughs> <laughs> and try to explain it to my boyfriend because that's <laughs> that's a good point. Um, oh, good. Yeah, and I think it is like, gosh, I've never really thought about it until this moment in this way. But the weight that you carry by presenting yourself as a kind, compassionate, friendly vegan in the world is heavy because I have had those moments too where I'll be at dinner and I see someone across the table is ordering veal or something that just is tearing my heart apart inside and I can't help but picture the baby cow. And it takes so much in you not to cry or just like respond in any way to those situations, but knowing that that won't be productive in any way for actually helping the animals like you have to hold your composure together to be uh, just a a friendly inspiring resource for people and that's really heavy it really is so I love that you and your boyfriend are having these conversations and that Austin's so open to like talking openly through these things because that's so important and that's yeah that's everything yeah no I'm so thankful and honestly I'm really thankful to anybody who's who's open to having a conversation about veganism, um, just a very real conversation and being upfront with our difference of opinions. I think that's I think that's super important in any relationship, regardless if it's your significant other or not. Just having honesty and and respect for each other and being genuine about your opinions, but not insulting one another. I think it's so important to be able to have those open conversations with people who aren't vegan. Hopefully we'll be vegan one day, but aren't vegan yet. So before we go to end on an, an uplifting message, how are you staying inspired to keep creating 
vegan recipes and and continue contributing to the vegan community in such a positive way during this extremely weird time what what is your advice to stay inspired if you haven't already i highly recommend watching the documentaries available on netflix what the health game changers cowspiracy and uh and i know that i hear from people all the time on plant based on a budget from people who watched one of those documentaries during quarantine and wanted to change their lifestyle. They think that now is the time that they're at home to gain the cooking skills, to relearn everything that they have ever learned about food and how they purchase it and how they cook it. And that keeps me really inspired to see people wanting to reclaim their lives and their health and the health, the health of their children and their spouses and other loved ones and this desire to be healthy and live a more compassionate life that will ultimately spare animals makes me so incredibly excited. I think that's such a beautiful point. And I think when when you put it in terms of doing this, not even really for ourselves, but ultimately we are really doing this for the animals and to make the world a kinder, more compassionate place for animals. It, it definitely inspires courage and and motivation to keep going on because it's not for you it's for them yeah wow yeah i feel gosh this is an unprecedented time in the history of the world where a we're learning a lot about what's going on in the world around us but b we also have the resources at our fingertips to actually take action both in our own personal lives when we're talking about changing the way that we eat now more than ever, there are so many, whether you want to eat plant-based meats and plant-based milks and everything, or if you're like, I don't want any of this and I just want to eat rice and beans and vegetables and from the earth, like no matter where you fall on the spectrum, the options are there for me, for you and the information's there for you. So, um, yeah, f really hold on to your why, why you care about these things and then go for it. And if you feel like you're alone and you need support or you just are having a rough time of it, which I think can be the biggest roadblock when you're trying something new, lean, find someone to lean on. And if you can't find someone to lean on, like lean on us. We're here at the very least. Find a virtual friend. You can message us, whatever, or go on Facebook groups, go to, you know, once the pandemic is over, events in your community, just try and connect because finding those connections with other people who are feeling the same things that that you are and taking steps in the same direction that you are makes the journey a million times easier. Can I add to that? Yes. No. <laughs> always, always. Uh, I know that sometimes there's a lot of pressure too to watch something so horrific and learn about its, its um, impact on animals and the environment and even your own health. Um, but I would recommend doing things that are really going to set you up for success long term. I see a lot of people trying to do everything overnight and then messing up once and thinking, oh, I tried it, didn't work for me. I would recommend you give yourself grace and keep trying over and over again, even if it's hard, even if you mess up sometimes. Every meal that does not have meat or dairy or eggs is helping animals, is helping your health, is helping the environment, and is ultimately doing good in the world. So just keep going, even though it seems difficult sometimes. I could not agree more. Thank you so much 
for both of your inspiring opinions and all your incredible advice. Truly, I, I think you're both doing such important work in proving that, I mean, you're proving so many things. One, how delicious vegan food can be, but how possible it is to make this delicious vegan food with a cost-efficient budget and with a time-efficient budget. So thank you so much for both proving that and for, for making the world a better place for animals and for vegans and non-vegans who get to eat your lovely food. <laughs> um where can people find your book? When does it come out? Where can they buy it? You can find our cookbook at friendlyvegancookbook.com or anywhere where you would buy books. Um, and it is available for pre-order now. So you can pre-order anytime and then it will be hitting shelves and doorsteps in October. That is so exciting. Congratulations. And Thank again, you. The next time you make a cookbook, I'm here um, and I, I will so yeah. happily uh, volunteer to be the tester of your new recipes. I'll just I'll throw that out there. So obviously, they just proved that you can be vegan and get the essential amount of nutrients while also not spending more money than you're used to, which wow. is so important. They did, honestly. That, that kind of blew my mind. They really did. And now maybe I'll start cooking more now that I know some more some more insider I'm information. glad you said that. I thought you were going to say, and now Austin will maybe start uh, eating more vegan things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, that too. I, I took I took uh, some things away, so maybe that'll happen. I, um, um, can you cook for me? Will you cook me vegan foods? Like once? No, like like every day. No, I will not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's not what. what may, maybe we can start cooking together. I would do that. We're both not chefs yet. I say yet. Yet. Well, let's see. Maybe after this episode, now that we're inspired, we can venture into the cooking universe. I'm going to let you know that I have the Gordon Ramsay Masterclass downloaded already. Hmm. So if you're going to say that to me, I'm going to go full in and things are going to get intense. So that's something that you can realize and decide later on if you want to make that statement that oh we're going to cook my. together. But I will get into it and you will be my sous chef. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm fine with that. Um, thank you so much. For joining me, keeping me company so I didn't have to host Vegan Abattoir alone. I would never make you do that alone unless this happens again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. How I'm you? kidding. Well, we're going to take a page out of Tony and Michelle's book, literally their cookbook. All right. <laughs> and we're going to start cooking ourselves. With a little bit of Gordon Ramsay influence. I got that masterclass but flow. The vegan version. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. We're gonna we're gonna start cooking. I declare now. You declare this. I declare that we will start cooking after this. Right now, after the podcast. Right now. All right. Uh, I guess we gotta go. Well, <laughs> go. we gotta go. So for vegan abattoir, I'm Harley Quinn Smith. I'm Austin Zazier. Now get out of our vegan abattoir. I've never said that. My dad always says it. Does it feel good? Um, not as good as you. No, I, yeah, no, it feel it feels good. I I, I feel good about it. Bye. Bye.